So here is the big question. How do entrepreneurs like us, who started sales or direct selling or network marketing, how did we start our journey but now feel stuck, feel like we're struggling or we can't level up to where we want to be, where we know we can be? How do we break through and prove everybody wrong, wrong. show ourselves that we are successful and show ourselves that we can win? That is the big question. And this is the podcast that will give you the answers. My name is Lisa Hawker, and this is Direct AF Sales. Welcome back to Direct AF. Today we have a really super cool guest that I've been looking forward to talking with. His name is Travis. What's going on, Lisa? Brown. How are you, Travis? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Well, we were just connecting offline a little bit, and I got to tell you guys, you better tune in on YouTube because he's got like a super dope fucking background behind him that I'm going to emulate. I am like super boring. I'm just getting up and running. He's got a lot to teach us, including but not limited to all things podcasting. And you know I'm really new at this, so I can't wait to, to learn from you, get your wisdom, First, I want to talk to you about Poddex. Tell me about that. Yeah, so Poddex is actually a really interesting story. So I've been editing podcasts for about a decade. And uh, anytime you run an agency where you sell time, eventually, if you do good enough, you run out of time. And so that's exactly what happened to me. I was completely booked out, and I wanted to continue to help people start podcasts. So of course you read books, you you follow the gurus and they're like, you should make an online course. So I did just that. I spent six weeks making this like illustrious course that no one really asked for. And I rolled it out. It was a a little higher ticket item. And as part of the um, marketing efforts and the nurturing of people who purchased that, I created these decks of cards that had questions on them that I personally curated I called them friends questions. I would use them at dinner parties and I would use them when there was a lull in the conversation. And people would always tell me like, man, like that was amazing. Like you were the life of the party. And it was just me showing actual interest in people. So I launched this course and I sold a couple of them and then it just sort of died. And people started emailing me saying like, Hey, I don't really want the uh, course, but I saw that deck of cards you were showing. And I'm like, nah, I'm not selling decks of cards. Like it's for the course. And then after about the fifth or sixth email, I said, okay, the people have spoken. There's obviously some interest in these cards. So I just minimal viable product it. I said, what could I call these pod decks? Okay. And I printed 10 and I made a silly little ad on my phone and ran it on Instagram and I sold out in like a minute. And then I pressed a hundred more and I sold out in a day. And then from there, it turned into a, you know, it's a six figure business. Uh, my first ever e-com business, everything else I've ever done has been digital. And so it just propelled me into this blue ocean. And as business people, we usually have to figure out a way to get away from the red ocean. And this just gave me access to podcasters in a way that no one else had. And so people started to get into my community. And then I basically was able to share all that information that I've learned over the last decade and help people continually podcast, relaunch some courses, and I've shipped them all over the world. It's it's absolutely incredible. That is so exciting. And I think that I'm going to need you to take over my dice situation oh. because <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. But how many decks of different cards do you have? I, I know I checked a couple Yeah, out. so I launched with two decks, 
and then um, it ended up being five for version one, and then I phased those out, and I made five brand new decks with better artwork. Because remember, when I launched this thing, it was just like, how cheap could I make it? And the first the first hundred decks I sold didn't even have a box. It was just the card shrink wrapped. So I was really I'm a huge proponent from a business standpoint of like testing, like lean testing and then optimization afterward. So I started pod decks for three hundred dollars and, you know, I turned it into a six figure business uh, over about 12 months. So right now we have five decks and then we and then I also, you know, transition into the mobile app. So I went to a podcasting conference and I was talking to a friend of mine and I was telling her about the growth and and things I was doing. And she's like, you know, this is such a good idea. Somebody's totally going to steal it from you. And my little monkey brain went, went like, you know, the sirens went off and I was like, Oh my God, someone's going to steal my idea. And I'm just this dude in Aurora in my office. I don't have like seed money. I never do any of this investment stuff. So how would a company see pod decks and what would they do to put me out of business? And so my my first thought was they'd make an app version of it. So I said, okay, let's put ourselves out of business. So I developed this app with my best friend, Kyle. We worked on it for nine months, uh, You know, hired a couple people to do some design stuff. We made it the best app we possibly could. And I'm thinking when I launch this thing, no one's ever going to buy a deck of cards again. But it didn't happen. People like the digital and then people like the physical. So both carried on. But I really like thinking about you know, I'm not a big lack mindset kind of person, Lisa, but I do like to think a couple steps ahead and go, how would somebody take this away from me? How would someone put me out of business? And then I go do that thing to ensure that I'm one step ahead of everybody. So in the app, I think we have over 40 decks uh, that are just, you know, can be right on your phone in your fingertips and they behave just like a deck of cards. You just swipe them and they give you new content questions so you can spark a great conversation with anyone, a date, a podcast, a live stream. Um, I've had people tell me that they just sit down with their spouse and learn something new. So the, the, the truth is that communication is very important. And that's sort of the mission behind Poddex is like, let's get people talking and let's get people off the beaten path a little bit because when we do these podcast interviews, a lot of times we just kind of get into this rhythm. We sort of follow the leader and we don't get those. We don't get the uh, the real juice, you know, of the squeeze. So anytime I can get somebody to say, I've never shared this before. I know I've got a killer podcast or, you know, when they say that's a really great question. I know that they haven't been asked that question before because they don't have that rapid fire answer. And so it's a great way to set yourself apart from everybody else. Uh, and it's, you know, pod decks aren't for everybody, but they're a really fun tool to have in your hip pocket. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds really fun. It's so clever. You know, it, it, there are so many podcasters out there. And one of the problems I think people have, including myself at times, is figuring out what is going to interest the audience. What kind of a question can I ask this this person that's going to, you know, be interesting and valuable to the listeners? Yeah. And I think, yeah, yeah, I got an answer for you if you want to hear my philosophy on it. Um, my my yes, my philosophy please. is after being a podcast consumer for ten years and listening to things, and I also have a, a, a musical background, so I was a songwriter. You know, we want to elicit an emotional response. 
not only from ourselves as the host, but and we want to try to get that from the guests and in a respectful way. We're, we're not digging through people's dirty laundry, trying to get them to say something they'll regret. But anytime we can get somebody to share something that has a little more depth to it, then we're getting that emotional response from the listener, from the guest and from ourselves. So a couple ways to do this. You know, be truly authentic yourself, share your wins, but mostly share, share your losses, share the, share the hard stuff because people, it's more relatable to people than standing on the mountain saying like, I'm, I'm a genius. Right. And then, um, secondarily, it's how you phrase the question. So I like to use the example of an iceberg. Okay. You've got the tip of the iceberg. That's just like, how you doing? How's the weather? How you been? You know, kind of nonsense questions. Then you start to get towards the water. And that's where the ice breaks through, right? The icebreaker questions. These are, you know, um, relatively getting a little deeper, but they're not too deep. And then there's your deep talk question. So the example I typically use is a lot of authors like to be on podcasts because authors like to sell books. Most people would ask the author, hey, congratulations, you've released this book. What made you decide to write a book? Now, in my opinion, it's a very low level question because I think at every point in time, uh, at, or at least at some point in time, every person has thought like, could I write a book or should I write a book, right? It's sort of something that we all kind of think about, but some of us actually take action on. But a way to elicit an emotional response from that would be to say, okay, you're writing this book. You've got this book deal. You've got to turn this in. Was there ever a time when you felt like just deleting everything? You felt like quitting. You felt like you couldn't do it. And if they, if they have, they're going to say, yeah, you know, I was at my lowest low and I didn't think I could do it. And then you've got this emotional response. And so there's a big difference in how you just phrase a question in order to get something that has depth, because we all know that the best podcasts get people to go deep or to share something that they haven't shared before. And that's how people like Dak Shepard and Joe Rogan and all these big time, huge podcasters navigate their guests by getting them to, they share their vulnerabilities, but they also get their guests to, you know, shed the skin a little bit and show who they really are. I love that. It's, it's so true. And those are two amazing people. But let me ask you, what was your lowest moment? Did you have a moment of self-doubt when you were launching this? Sure. You know, you, you launched the app. It didn't do as well as you thought it was going to do. Did that did that get into your head and think, well, maybe I shouldn't produce the actual tangible product? So, you know, because it was an accident, it was a little bit easier because people had shown me that they actually wanted it. So um, that made it easier. But what was difficult for me was that I have 10 years of, you know, 10 years of podcast experience, 20 years of audio engineering experience. And what happened was as I got more known in the industry, people would call me like a snake oil salesman. They'd say, oh, you're selling decks of cards with questions on it, not knowing the history I had in the industry and, you know, growing podcasts to millions of downloads. You know, one of my clients got a TV show on HGTV and it was, it wasn't until I started changing my content a little bit that people realized that, oh, this guy actually knows what he's talking about. He's not just selling the decks. And so, you know, I run Facebook ads and Instagram ads, and that typically brings out a lot of anger in people. You know, there's people that like to say nasty things in the comments, like this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard or, you know, but you know what? Those people I have a lot of empathy for because they're taking time out of their beautiful 24 hours to comment on a Facebook ad. And there's obviously something else going on there. So, um, you know, I don't, I honestly, I think one of my superpowers, Lisa's, is that I don't really give a 
an AF what people think of me. I stand by, I make the things I want to see in the world, the art, the music, the podcasts. And I think if I work hard enough on making something that I'm super proud of, that the right people will show up and resonate with me. So I don't worry about the haters at all. Uh, but that was a struggle because I felt like a little bit locked in, like, hey, I, I know a lot about audio and podcasting and people just think I'm the guy with the decks of cards or the questions. And so I'm glad I made a pivot because I didn't want to be that guy on TV with the question mark suit, you know, just, hey, everybody, listen to my question. So, um, you know, you just got to roll with the thunder, you know, I mean, it's like a lot of people say, oh, you got lucky. This was easy for you. And it wasn't. It was it was 12 months of, of nonstop work, learning, studying, getting mentors, trial and error, dealing with, you know, anytime you're doing e-com, there's the shipping issues, there's pipeline issues, there's you know, all that stuff. And you just learn to go, okay, I'll figure this one out and I'll move to the next one. You know, I, you know, I started as an attorney, a trial lawyer. I was a prosecutor for five and a half years. I switched to being a criminal trial defense attorney. Then I went to network marketing after 21 years and four kids. So that was a big pivot as a result of my experience in network marketing. I created the dice just like as a result of your experience in being a sound expert and a songwriter and a podcast host and listener, right? Consumer of it. You develop the the deck of cards, right? But then launching that is a whole nother animal, you know, where do I get the, you know, supplier who's going to manufacture it? You know, all of the things you talked about, but that's one of the beautiful things about being an entrepreneur is that um, those moments of, of learning and growing. And when people say, enjoy the journey, I want to tell them to fuck off. But at the same time, you really do have to enjoy the journey because the journey is where all of the learning and the growth and the beauty truly is. It's that story, the Mexican parable or the parable of the Mexican fisherman, right? So this guy goes on vacation, meets this Mexican fisherman. They go out and catch some fish. And this businessman's like, oh, you could have multiple boats and you could have a whole fleet. And then you could have a processing center. And then you could have locations all over the world. And the and the fisherman's like, and then what? And he's like, well, then you can do exactly what you're doing now, which is catching fish for your family, having fun, playing your guitar and going into town every night. I mean, I do think that there is a is a big problem with the Ferrari driving uh, I'm doing air quotes here, private jet sitting on the beach all day culture. Like that sounds very boring to me. I don't want to sit on the beach. I like making things and testing things and learning. And as long as you can figure out a way to do something that you're passionate about, give value and get enough uh, income to live a modest lifestyle, you're winning. And so, yeah, the cliche of enjoy the journey, but the whole thing, the whole fun of it is the journey. It's standing at the top of the mountain is means you're done, you're ended, you're retired, you're whatever. And then what are you going to do, right? I feel the same way. It's a great question. But your skin, you know, you talked about you, that you have a lot of grace and you have a lot of empathy for your for the haters mm-hmm. that are out there and the people that focus on the negativity. I'm going to assume that you did not start out that way. So for people who are struggling and you're shaking your head no, um, you know, for people who are struggling with even the idea of starting their entrepreneurial journey because they're afraid of judgment, they're afraid of what people are going to think, they're afraid of all of, of those unknowns, you know, how did you develop that, that ability yeah. to not get I mean, it's really like, 
it's a matter of like focus, right? So I think there's another parable like of the, I think it's an Indian who's like, there's two wolves that live inside my body. There's like happiness and anger. And the one who wins is the one that you feed. So like when I think of somebody sitting down and seeing my ad and then getting so mad to type something nasty to me, what's really happening there is they are basically projecting their insecurities upon me. Maybe they wish they had thought of it. Maybe they wish they were in a business. Maybe they uh, wish that they were, you know, sharing information about podcasting and they're mad that I am, you know, maybe ahead of them in that regard. So really what it comes down to is typically your haters are people either you, you a know or want to be you or they're they're insecure. And so when you look at it from that angle. You know, you could have you could have empathy and it's tough. You know, when when I release a YouTube video and 50 people like it and one person presses that thumb down, I immediately go, first of all, I probably know that person. And second of all, <laughs> like this is how you're spending your life. Like you're sp like you're putting like I'm not a woo woo religious kind of guy, but like you get what you give into the world. It's just, I just believe that like, if you give value, then value comes back to you. If you give a bunch of negativity, negativity will come back to you. So I just think how sad that we all get the same amount of hours in the day. And this person is spending their time, you know, speaking negatively as opposed to building their own thing, like make a better version, uh, do some, do the thing that's on your list. Don't be mad at me because you're not doing what you think you're supposed to be doing. So it's really easy when you just frame it in the way of like, I feel sad. I feel sorry for them. It's a very generous way to live and it, it makes you a happier person. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, you also just have to say like, is this going to stop me from doing what I'm doing? Like is one troll no. on the internet going to stop me? Absolutely not. If anything, it just gives me more fuel. You know, it just makes me want to do it more. I love that. I feel the same way. So we definitely have that in common. Is this the script that you wrote for yourself when you were a young man, a young no, boy? Uh, I, I, when I, when I grew up, I was uh, in a very nasty household. Uh, I'm a child of multiple divorces. Uh, you know, I don't consider myself a victim by any means. I love that I had the life I had because it made me the creative, weird person that I am. And I really love who I am now. But as I was growing up, no, I mean, I was very sensitive. I was very um, judgmental. And I've spent years uh, doing things for self-improvement, like therapy and self reading self-improvement books and trying to exercise. And I quit drinking two years ago and anything I can do to try to, like, write my mind. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I quit drinking two years ago and I really re I'm like, God, I wish I would have done that 10 years ago. But you you just can't be ready for what you're ready for. Right. And so I'm still learning. I mean, you know, uh, patience, you know, that that's when you look at somebody who's older, a lot of people go, oh, look at that old man. But like I look at an old man, and I go, man, this guy's probably got some stories, some wisdom, you know, like you ever you ever talk to somebody and they just know exactly what to say. They've just got the one thing to say. That's life experience. You know, and you don't get life experience by not living your life. So you have to take things in and you have to be honest with yourself. I'm very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm very self-aware, almost too self-aware. And that awareness lets me look at it from both sides. I go, was I mean or was this person out of line? And I can 
kind of replay the situation and say, what will I do next time to make this smoother? And so um, I think it's just about self-awareness and, you know, forgiving yourself. If you've made a mistake, forgive yourself and don't do it the next time. Right. It sounds to me like you're somebody who likes to base themselves in reality yes. and examine the truth. 100%. I am a realist. I am, uh, I own, I own myself who I am and what I do. And I, you know, I just live by like, I want to be somebody that when you encounter me, that A, you know, you're getting an authentic person and B, you know, I'll do what I say I'm going to do. And those two things combined, I think build, you know, build a character. If you want to be, if you want to get character, you have to be the person that you want people to see you as. And that doesn't mean you need to be worried what people think about you, but that's the impression you leave on anything you do, whether it's a podcast, a business, your social media presence, how you treat your spouse, like be the, be the person, imagine yourself in the, in the, in the casket. I, I lo- like, I used to be obsessed with death. I would think about it all the time. And because the truth of the matter is, is like, I don't believe that there's anything that happens after this. I think that this is your, this is my little window. And I think about what would someone say about me at my funeral? You know, what would they say? Would they say like, he really did what he said he was going to do? Or would they say, you know, he was a sensitive little butterfly. You couldn't give him any feedback. Right. And so I think about those things to make sure that I'm intentional by the, and the way I behave so that hopefully when I'm, it's a long story, but I want to be shot in the space. I want, I want to, I want my ashes to be shot in the space. And I actually found a service that'll do it. And I've convinced my wife to actually do it. But when they shoot my ashes into space, I want people to go like, he was a pretty good dude. And that's, that's good enough for me. All right. I got to unpack this. This is a big giant suitcase that I'm going to unpack right now. Number one, let's go back to this. Your legacy, you want to leave a legacy. You want people to remember you in a certain way. All right. That's beautiful. We all do. And that's what drives me. What drives me every day to be extremely disciplined in my business is my desire to leave a legacy for my four sons, okay, and my family. I do believe in heaven, and you do not believe in an afterlife. And I'm always so curious about about that. And if you're comfortable talking about that, I would really like to explore that. It doesn't have anything to do necessarily with entrepreneurship, but can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. So I was raised Catholic. I was an altar boy. I made my first communion. All right, say no more. Okay. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think in my logical, self-aware brain, I have decided that I think it's a little egotistical to think that there's a guy in the sky with a beard who's thinking about my every move and then 8 billion other people's moves. And I think that uh, the beauty of life is that there isn't something after this, which makes it more special. And if we figure out a way to live forever, then life will not be special. And I think that, um, you know, if, you know, I've had people say like, what's worse to believe there's to not believe there's a heaven and find out there is, or to believe in it and find out there's not. And I just think that with, with the things that I truly believe in, and I do believe in energy. I don't think that my energy just disappears. I think that there's something to be said for the universe and energy. I just don't believe that there's like, I'm going to be sitting on a cloud in the sky and it just sounds boring to me. So I'm sort of like, I'm okay with like endless sleep. Like that sounds great. 
So that's my heaven. <laughs> and, if it, and honestly, I have no, nothing against anyone who has – whatever you believe in, I totally respect that. I would not want to try to make you believe what I believe um, because it's just my personal belief. And whatever you believe in, if it's unicorns or if it's heaven or if it's you know whatever, if it gives you hope and it, it keeps you on the right path, then, then by all means, like that's your thing. But what's the thing about getting shot into oh, space? I just, so you're going to get crazy. Yeah, I don't want to be buried. Um, I'm claustrophobic, and caskets are super expensive. And I just think, why would I have my family waste all this money on a box to put me underground when they could burn me up and put me into a capsule that some company will shoot into space with a GPS tracker, and they could look on their phone and see, where's Dad? Oh, he's out there. And I've always been interested in space, and just I think every little boy wants to be an astronaut. And so... Without having to risk too much, I'll be able to explore the universe uh, in my new form. And it's just, it's kind of a, it's, it's more of a, I don't know. I think you could look at death in two ways. I want to be celebrated and not mourned. I want to do as much good as I can while I'm on Earth. And then I want to be shot into space. And who knows? You never know. It does sound a bit like heaven. You're going to be up there. You're going to be floating around. Okay. You're going to be exploring, and I think when I I personally think that when you die, you're in space in some dimension in some capacity, that you do get to come and visit your loved ones. I remember going to a medium, a good good friend of mine passed away very suddenly in an airplane crash okay. years ago. And I just remember I was going through a really hard time um, with my first husband, and I just, I cried constantly. I remember trying to either pray or speak to the friend that had passed. Well, years later, I ended up going to a medium. And the medium didn't have my last name, didn't have any information on me. There was no social media yeah. at the time, you know. Um, and he said the name of my friend who had passed has heard you and his response is blah, 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 blah. Well, he responded to, we to the exact question yeah. to what I was asking him in my mind, alone in my bedroom. So for me, that was one of the experiences that convinced sure. me that there is life after death and that they do hear us and they do see us. So I think that your body flying around space in a capsule is still going to have the ability, your soul will still have the ability to come and visit the people that you love and who love you. So this has gone yeah. way the fuck off. And, and just off to cap topic. it off, like probably based on my upbringing, I have no interest in reuniting with my family. So that might be a little bit of the whole, like, shoot me away from everyone, shoot me into space, burn me up. I don't want it. I mean, if you, if we wanted to do therapy on me, I'm sure a therapist would be like, yes, it's very obvious. You don't want to go to a heaven. Why, how could you believe in a heaven if you're going to be reunited with all your loved ones when you don't love your loved ones, right? Or you'd feel like they didn't love you. So there's probably, listen, there's probably a million ways to dissect that. And, uh, if it happens or doesn't happen, I, truly believe in my heart, I'll never know. And I also think that, yeah, it could be my heaven. My heaven could just be shooting off into the cosmos and that's heaven to me. So maybe everyone's heaven is whatever they imagine it is at the end of the day. Right. And maybe you don't think that there's a God because how can God allow 
painful things to happen to children. Oh, definitely. That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation. One we don't have to have today. One we definitely don't have to have today, but I'm enjoying this conversation with you. I'm learning a lot and uh, definitely want to connect offline with regard to how you were so successful with the deck in so in such a short period of time. I mean, you know, what I'll do is I can send you a copy uh, or a copy a set of the, the dice that I created, because what interested me about your, your pod decks was that you gamified something. And I think everybody enjoys work a little bit more when it can be turned into some sort of game. And for, for, for my company, um, you know, we do direct sales, social selling, network marketing, MLM. Yeah. <laughs> and what I did was I put income producing activities and things that are actually going to grow your business on each side of these dice. And I thought, just roll the dice and execute the two action steps you get. But they're not flying off the shelves like I thought okay. they were going to. So have you done you know? any, so, um, have you done any advertising? Not on Okay. No, not okay. really. You know, like I haven't taken out the Instagram sponsored ad. I haven't taken out the Facebook sponsored ad. Well, my challenge to you would be to take out your phone and roll the dice on a nice wood table. Just film it, you know, make it a minute long and and, and experiment and say, I'm going to send it to these kind of people, people that are interested in the things you listed, network marketing, MLM, and uh put a little coupon code in there for 10% off and see how it goes and see if there's a lot of interest. Because I can tell you that, um, you know, a lot of people complain that Facebook and Instagram and all these apps have all the data, but what they forget is that you have access to it too, and you can use it to your advantage. And I spent quite a bit of money making sure that Poddex got out into the world in front of people so they could know what it was and see that it was actually an opportunity for them to gamify their podcast or a conversation. So maybe the world just needs to see it because I think it's brilliant. And if it's all uh, ROI inducing activities, most people don't focus on those. They focus on the, the stuff that's easy to do on their to-do list, but doesn't get them any momentum. And so I think if you just get it in front of the right people, you will see an uptick. And the easiest way to do that is to just use, I hate the word, the, the leverage. So I'm not going to say leverage even though I just did use, use the data that Facebook and Instagram are stealing from everybody to your advantage. And this goes for anybody. Like if you're a podcaster, if you're a business person, if you're a comedian, you can literally target by age, location, interest, and show people things for, for pretty affordable price. I mean, you know, I'll run, you know, $25 a day for a week and sell a ton of pot decks because my content may be not in front of them yet. And um, so I, that would be my challenge to you, Lisa, is to just do a do a $100 campaign, roll the dice, talk about them and give a little coupon code and target, you know, people who like uh, who's who's your target audience? Like, who would they follow? Well, Anybody in network marketing or social selling. So, you know, they could follow the, their own company, right? Um, they could follow people like who are famous inside of the network marketing industry, whether that's a top leader in one of the companies or um, a coach. Give me one. Like I just did a podcast. Rob okay. Sperry. It Eric Worre. 
then I would go in there and I would say, you know, uh, I'd set an age range and I would target those people and I would let it go and uh, see what happens. And I bet you, I bet you'll sell more than you think because it's not that you don't have a good idea. It's not that the dice aren't valuable. It's that we're all competing for attention all the time. And with that, we, um, you know, like I'll give you an example, like police sirens in the fifties were like, right. And now they're like, they do all these crazy noises because people got used to the, and they tune it out. And so they weren't pulling over when the cop car was behind them. They weren't getting out of the way. So what happens is, is when people are barraged with information all the time, they just start to tune it out. It's like the post-it note you write and hang on your desk. And it's like, you know, drink more water. Well, at some point you just, your brain omits that from, and you don't look at it anymore. And then you eventually go, Oh yeah. And you throw it away. So I think you have a brilliant idea. When I saw it, I was like, this is great. I had at one point thought about doing some podcasting dice and I think, yeah, that's amazing. And it just needs to be put into in front of people, like forced in front of people through advertising. I'm going to take you up on it. I'm going to follow up with you and see if you did it. Going offline with you and pick your brain a little bit more with some questions, not here on the podcast, but Back to you really quickly. Tell me what your favorite podcasts to listen to are. Who's your yeah, favorite? Yeah, so um, in my limited time, I spend so much time producing other people's podcasts that I, I found that I have very little time. Um, I'm really interested in music. So I have this music background. I was a touring musician. So uh, anything that goes through how a song was created. So there's a podcast called Song Exploder that I enjoy. There is... Yeah, love that type of thing too. Just like how it was made, like the kind of how it was made style podcast. And then there's one guy that I just follow religiously. His name's Noah Kagan. He is the founder of AppSumo. And um, he's just one of these guys who isn't the Ferrari private jet guy. He lives a, you know, he's super rich, but he lives a regular lifestyle. He has a regular house and he gives constant value to his community. And those are the kind of people I aspire to rub shoulders with. And uh, so I will make him a priority. I can't do Joe Rogan anymore. It's I don't have three hours to listen to a podcast. So every once in a while, I'll check him out. And it really just comes down to the guest. Like, um, if I don't, if I'm not in love with the person, if there's a specific, like, guest that's doing episodes, like, for example, David Cho, who's one of my favorite artists, like, he doesn't do them very often when he does whatever podcast he's on. I'm absolutely listening to. So those would be a couple of my favorites. Were you a Howard Stern listener? You know, I, I wasn't like a rabid Howard Stern listener. I actually ended up doing a lot of listening to Opie and Anthony who are like the number two in New York. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I watched Howard Stern on TV here and there. I mean, he's obviously the godfather of like radio, 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 and somebody who, you know, cleared a path for unconventional like audio, right? So, um, you know, there's 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 no one like him, and there will probably never ever be again, just because of what what's happened to radio. But uh, yeah, I love. I have a very blue sense of hu- sense of comedy. I have a very weird personality. I like things that are out of the ordinary. So I'm definitely attracted to people like Howard Stern. The reason I ask that is I'm a rabid listener and have been since I okay. was a teenager. Um, but his ability, he's an absolute genius when it comes to interviewing. Yep. And one of his talents in, in within that area of interviewing is interviewing musicians. 
and talking about, um, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm into podcasting and, and connecting with people like I am here with you right now. I listened to him ask the questions like, when you were writing this mm -hmm. song, you know, where were you? Who, you know, what was going through your mind? What was that like? You know, um, what, you know, where, just, I don't sure. know. I'm, I'm trying to come up with an example, but just those in-depth going, peeling back those layers. And what did this mean when you wrote this? So listen, how do we apply this to our content, right? Like what lesson can we learn from Howard Stern? Here's your soundbite, right? Um, look at, like, we love seeing behind the curtain. And that's, that plays into our, like, the journey is the destination, right? Our cliche. But really, how do, you, how do you become more attractive to people through your content? Well, you show them the process of how things are done. You show them how you make things. You show them behind the scenes. I mean, I get a, three messages a day. Where do you get your decks printed? And most people will be like, I'm not telling you. I tell every single person because, hey, start a deck company. Like, I don't, I don't see anyone as competition. Like, if you're going to try to compete with me in the podcasting world, I'm going to crush you. But, hey, go ahead and try. I don't care. So um, show people how things are made. Show them how you did it. Get behind the scenes with people on how they created things, just like this content here. Like, I'm an open book, so I'll tell you everything. Um, and that makes magnetic content. So when you're making your next social media post, instead of just going, like, look at these dice, maybe it's like, how to start a dice company. And then you can promote the dice, right? Like there's all kinds of ways to steal the thing that we love and apply it to our own content. So um, anyone who's listening in business, don't just show the features and the, the thing as it is. Share a little bit about how it's made. Share a little bit about the, the mission, the ethos, the struggles, because that is more relatable than some shiny finished thing. So, so check this out. Like, I want to I wanna stay on a theme here. And before I do that, I just want to say, before you run out and buy a Ferrari, look up how much an oil change costs for a Ferrari. All you people that are just like, yeah, all these people that are dying for these, like, cars, like, go look what a McLaren uh, oil change costs, and you won't want to buy it. So, okay, so we've talked a little bit about, like, process, and I want to tie this into your dice as well. So something that I focused on with pod decks, again, was empathy. As a person who likes to get served ads, I like getting ads. I like buying things online. I would I buy a lot of things online, and I do it for two reasons. One, I'm I'm seeing, I'm testing to see like what their system looks like, what their experience looks like, because I think experiences are something that ha with drop shipping and like all this stuff have become like part of the past. But anytime that you receive something in the mail and it's an experience, it quadruples the customer, uh, you know, relatability and, and brand loyalty. So something I did with pod decks was I said, you know, I could cheap out on this and I could get some, some shitty, you know, white mailers and just stick these things in there and ship them off. But I decided to go the other way because I wanted somebody to open up their mailbox and be in it, be the best day ever. So my brand colors are orange. I sourced some bright, shiny orange, bubble mailers. They cost three times as much as the regular bubble mailers that most people send things in. And I put stickers on the package that said like, caution, awesome inside, or you should do an unboxing video on Instagram. And so the package itself 
was an experience. And then they opened the package and not only were there decks in there, but I slipped extra, like extra gifts in. So I made a, a silicone mobile wallet for your phone that said, ask me about my podcast. It didn't say anything about my company. It was a tool that was created so someone could slap it on the back of their phone and, and, in, and increase the conversation about their podcast. And I'd slip a little business card in there that said, join my free community. And then they'd come to my community. I would make a huge deal that they were there, ask them what they were struggling with, get them a quick win. And so this little deck of cards became an experience. And so how can you take whatever you're doing, let's say it's dice, and make that an experience? Can you get a cool box or can you, you know, put a little card in there that has some instructions on how the, the best way you could possibly use that and an invitation to go somewhere else? So Anytime you're doing something where you're actually going to send someone, think about what they're going to do when they open up that mailbox. Will they be excited or is it just another plain white bag that with the with the sticker on it? Like how can we make things more exciting for something that shouldn't be exciting? People shouldn't be excited about a deck of cards. They shouldn't be excited about dice, but you can make them through the experience, through the customer journey. Just something that's not your your plain stupid box or your white envelope. Like anytime I buy something, I it shows up and I'm like, what? First of all, what I, what did I order? I don't know what it is. And then I'll open it and I'll be like, wow, they spent the bare minimum to get this to me. Like, and I'm not saying go crazy and spend a ton of money, but like just something like the envelope it comes in. Can you do something that? sticks out like a sore thumb that they're like, wow, like this person really gave a shit about how this appeared to me. They must really give a shit about the product. They must really give a shit about me. And I'm sorry if I'm swearing too much, but give a shit, give a shit about your customers. Are you selling a commodity or are you selling something where you're building a community? That's a big question. Yeah. So I um, am like 1000% into Instagram. So a lot of people are like, I need to do this and I need to do YouTube and I need to do TikTok and I need to do all these things. And that will make you crazy. That, you'll, you'll go crazy. You'll make worse content. I'm just go to at poddex on Instagram and I spent all my time there. Follow me. I'll send you a, an audio message, a personalized audio message. I put out tips every other day on how you can grow your audience, become a top ranked podcaster. And I've just locked in on that. Yes, I do have a Facebook group and some YouTube videos, but that's the main place to find me. Or you can just go to poddex.com and check out poddex and or app.poddex.com and download the app. Um, and I just try to keep it as simple as possible. Can I ask your audience to do something before we go? All right, so so Lisa has put an immense amount of work into this show, okay? She's scheduling guests. She's scheduling conversations. She's trying to bring you value. And the least thing you could do for her and me, if you're listening to this episode, is just pause it and go leave a five-star review. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. And what that does is it will help other people who find the show realize that there's a ton of value here. And if you're feeling generous, write, actually write something. Like, I really enjoyed the episode with Travis. Um, they got real AF. Say something in the comments. It doesn't cost you anything, but what it does is it will make Lisa's day, and it will show the new people who are following that this is a very valuable podcast. So just press pause, do it, come back, and hear the rest of the show. And let's just leave everybody with one thought. You may be thinking about starting a business. You may be thinking about starting a new YouTube channel or Instagram account or something, a podcast, okay? And what 
when you keep not doing it, what you're doing is robbing people of impact, okay? Because you're going to put something out there, and it may impact one person who then impacts another person. And so every minute that you're not sharing value, your passions, your thoughts, your opinions is a minute that you're not making a huge impact on the world because you will never see where it ends. But it starts with you actually throwing yourself out there to the wind, being authentic and giving value. And I can tell you, it is one of the most uh, valuable orgasmic feelings to know that you're making an impact in the world and just like this show is. So I challenge you the listener to whatever that post-it note is, the thing you're going to do in January on January 1st, do it today, start now and you'll be ahead of everybody and you'll feel better and you will start making that impact. For more information on the direct AF sales book or custom dice course or workbook, go on over to directafsales.com. There's going to be a discount code for all the listeners there. It's code direct AF. 20 and grab yours today. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please leave me a review. Make sure you subscribe and even better, share it with a friend so that we can share our message and our content and help as many people as we can. Thanks guys.